Welcome to Dynasty Life. Redraft ends, but Dynasty is life. Uh, I'm Theo Greminger, and I'm joined today by Derek Brown, aka Debro of Fantasy Pros. And Debro and I have podcasted a bunch of times together, but we rarely get to sit down and talk straight up Dynasty. So this is a real pleasure. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple guys that are rising up rookie draft boards right now. A lot of guys were in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl, like Debro was and had some big-time, big-time performances. There was a lot of winners this year uh, that are going to find themselves in like your second round of your rookie drafts, a couple guys in the first round. But, D-Bro, you're crushing it. You're putting out a ton of content over at Fantasy Pros. What do you have going on this time of year? Oh, man, right now is the catch-up season. So it was big catch because I don't have time. Like, you just – you know this as well as I do, Theo. Like, you're putting out a ton of content. You're grinding through all of the weekly stuff in the NFL. Like, you don't have the bandwidth because there's only so many hours in the freaking day to sit here and also digest and keep up with college and stuff like that. So right now is my catch-up period. So getting ready for the Senior Bowl, I had 37 guys that I had to watch tape on, all the, all 22 that I'd get my hands on, look at their analytical profiles. I wrote up as many of them as I could find all 22 on. Uh, and I had positional primers for senior bowls, so a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And so that that type of catch-up mode is still live right now for me. So um, I'm, I'm catching up with quarterbacks right now because, again, I'll, I'll drop this nugget here since it's already up on social media. But Thor Nystrom, myself, amazing colleague, we're actually launching an NFL draft show next week. We felt for the people like, look, love is in the air. We're going to give you an early Valentine's Day present, man. So next Wednesday, the first episode of that drops. And so I'm catching up because that first episode is going to be all the quarterback prospects. We're going to talk a bunch of guys like the top 10, top 12, top 15, what have you. And so right now it's all me catching up and writing up all the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends of this prospect class and figuring out where I stand on them, man. So getting the ranks live, getting the primers, because I will have Dynasty rookie primers just like last year, all live on Fantasy Pros. So really, it's 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 just trying to to get back up to speed for the prospect season, baby, because we're here. I'm looking forward to that show. That's going to be really good. Uh, Thor Nystrom is super, super sharp, especially when it comes oh, to these, love that, to these prospects. So, uh, you know, we're going to dive into the guys you saw down in Mobile. And I love talking senior bowl with Debro. I remember two years ago <laughs> where we sat down and you were going crazy about this kid, Christian Watson. Yeah. And we saw how impactful he was for dynasty managers and also redraft managers, his rookie year. Last year, there was a guy named Puka Nakua who you might've heard of the yeah, Debro maybe. was all over throughout the year as well. So that was like a, that's like when you get like your all time hit list, Debro, you're going to have a lot of the Puka takes because you were all over that one. So we're going to get your your takes from Senior Bowl, but one question that everybody gets asked, and I think I asked this to you, you know, in a redraft context mm -hmm. uh, before, but in Dynasty, you know, our misses and our and our makes, our rights and our wrongs are amplified because of the long-term, you know, period that we roster these players mm -hmm. or have to send them back out and cut them if they're busts, especially in rookie drafts, especially in startup drafts, like mistakes are terrible in Dynasty. So, you know, you guys put a ton of work into your dynasty content over at Fantasy Pros. What was a guy that was a major, major disappointment for you this year, whether it was the performance on the field, the usage, you name it? So, do you want to go rookie aspect or we want to go veteran here, Theo? Like, however you want, me. however okay. you want to go, okay. bro. So, I, I'll 
if if we're going to talk about rookie wise, the biggest disappointment guy for me was was Quentin Johnston. But that's everybody, man. Like, you know, we all, you know, you swung and miss on that one. But I want to say I want to lead this off with the biggest surprise for a guy that I liked him as a rookie, but we didn't see him pop. And some of that was the situation. The profile was good. But, dude, if you got him on your roster now, you are. I mean, look, you are praising life. You are just loving everything right now. Like, nothing can go bad for you if you have Trey McBride rostered on your Dynasty squad, man. I mean, like, right now, it's him and Sam Laporta in their own tier. And I could have easily brought up Sammy Ballgame here because he's the tight end one in Dynasty right now. But I want to I want to talk specifically about Trey McBride as a guy that he really popped this year and surprised the hell out of me because after his rookie season – even in small sample size, the metrics weren't great. And you're like, okay, is this going to translate? Is it not? And he didn't hit the ground running like this year's tight end class. So Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, you talk about Tucker Craft. I'm, I'm not a Luke Musgrave guy. Haven't been, still not. But you could talk about all those guys hitting the ground running as far as rookies. Trey McBride didn't do that. But, dude, he, he he's amazing. He's crushing. And this year, like right now, early redraft ranks, he is my tight end one. He has the highest ceiling as far as targets amongst all these different guys. I mean, we're looking at a player since week 18 to close the regular season when he really took off. He was first in target share, fifth in yards per route run, first in first read share, and sixth in fantasy points per route run. Like the essential production you were getting out of Trey McBride during that stretch run, and I think what we get out of a full season of 2024, he was what you wanted out of Travis Kelsey. Like, yes. he's the new Travis Kelsey. That, that, that Just put a bow on it. Trey McBride is the new Travis Kelsey. He is the tight end, two in Dynasty. And no, I'm not going to put him above Sam Laporta. That's my guy who has an elite profile, especially if you, you talk about what he did as a rookie. So Trey McBride easily has to be my biggest positive for this year. I love the Trey McBride take. And I think a lot of times at Dynasty Life, we look at like Dynasty Theory, Dynasty Strategy. And Trey McBride is a big reminder that tight ends take a while. Whether it's yep, a guy in front of you, sometimes there's a situation where they maybe lack as a blocker and they just don't get on the field as a rookie. It's a it's a hard learning curve coming out of you know college traditionally into the league. I mean, all you got to do is look at the stats of Travis Kelsey as a rookie. Jimmy Graham yep. as a rookie, TJ Hawkinson as a rookie. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of guys take a big step forward. So I love the McBride one. Andrews. Uh, and oh, Mandrews for sure. Yep. And let's let's quick follow up on McBride. Arizona's rumored to take one of these unbelievable wide receivers in the first yeah. round. So they let's say they add, because I've argued with people about this one. Would a adding a potential alpha like a Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors limit your your view of McBride's upset, or is it something where like the pie grows larger and it actually helps him? I I, I knew where you're going with that question, so I just automatically shaking my head. No, but that's it's not going to matter, man. Like, come on, like what we need to talk about here is you need more than one weapon in an NFL offense to field an efficient NFL offense. Like McBride is going to eat. Like, say even Kyler Murray throws 450 freaking times. McBride's target share last year was damn near close to 30%. Like this guy was getting elite alpha level wide receiver volume. And even if you enter neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr. Right now, that's the latest mock that we have that went live today for fantasy pros. I had the pick for Arizona. I took Marvin Harrison Jr. Does that mean I'm lower on Trey McBride? Hell no. Like 
you're still going to get a quarterback that's throwing 450 to 500 times in a season. The ball's got to go freaking somewhere. And the more weapons you add to that offense, because here's the thing, we need to stop playing this game. And still some people out there talk about like, you know, there's only so many targets to go around. And we've done this with numerous players. And I'm not saying people are going to do this to this type of ilk, but just rewind for a second. Be kind of rewind, Theo. Do you remember all of the shit that we heard about Amon Ross St. Brown, like after his rookie season? Like, there was nobody else around him. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of talent. Can he do that? The reality of it is, if you're good enough to garner targets at that type of clip, that is a reflection of freaking talent. Then when you add other talented players around said player, do we think they're still not going to draw targets? No. I don't, I don't care. Add Marvin Harrison Jr. Add another wide receiver in the third round, second round, whatever. We need to field a better offense around Kyler Murray. Is that going to bump me down at all about Trey McBride? Hell no. Because if I believe he's really that freaking talented, that's like adding Rasheed Rice to Travis Kelsey in the Kansas City offense. Oh, that really just crushed his soul this year. Age caught up with him a little bit. But did that hurt Travis Kelsey? No. Yeah, no, I think that's, a, that's the appropriate take. The adding more elite weapons to the offense doesn't matter for your fantasy outlook unless they add somebody who's identical to you. If they, you know, that's yeah. that's pretty much the, my general rule with you know talent in dynasty and the sort of evaluation. Let's pivot back to a guy you were disappointed in in Quentin Johnston. Do you see a potential for a bounce back in year two? Let's say you know just a quick quick memory down memory lane. He had a pretty good game against Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoffs when he was at TCU. I'm 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 trying here, Debra. I'm trying to make a case for QJ. Dude, I, I wish I could sit here and tell you to make a case for him. But for me, no. I mean, right now it's it's really just hold him and you're hoping he pops of the big game like week one, week two, week three, you know, what have you, um, and try to sell him at that point. Like because if you flop this badly in your rookie season, I mean you're you're already taking the top off of your upside. If you do hit in your second or third year, you're probably going to be more of an outlier than a continual year-to-year stud. So seeing him flop that badly in his rookie season, and the problem with it was, Theo, is that, you know, I wasn't, and this is, again, we want to continue to learn and grow and, and learn from your misses as far as like a content creator or just a dynasty player in general. And Quentin Johnston was a big learning point for me in the sense that, when I looked at him as a prospect, just beginning like my eval and all that kind of stuff, I was probably at consensus or lower than consensus on him because of holes that I saw in his game. Now, where we're talking about me, you know, hopping on and all the tweets are out there. I'm not deleting shit. Like I was big on QJ. I was, you know, pumping, like pumping him up, especially after we got the Mike Williams injury. And I was like, I mean, this is the nut run out for QJ. Like if you wanted the perfect scenario for Quentin Johnston to pop in his rookie season. Like we all talked about it in the, in the off season, uh, Theo was like, if Keenan Allen or Mike Williams gets hurt, it, the, I mean, it's a free runway for targets and volume and for him to explode and just go to the moon. And we didn't see it. So in an offense where the Chargers were screaming for a number two option behind Keenan Allen to step up. And we saw Josh Palmer do that. Quentin Johnston didn't, man. So for me, it just comes down to I'm more apt, especially from the wide receiver position. If you don't pop in your rookie season, I'm out. 
Like I nine think, times out of ten, I'm out. I think that's I think that's fair, and I think that you know we talked about like the whole idea of uh, him being a contingent upside guy, and then instead the targets go to Josh Palmer, and Palmer was always a guy yep. where you know he seems to kind of be kind of a jag who's in the right spots, you know, had a decent year two, and then played some decent ball last year. But the fact that he's out earning targets uh, to, to Quentin Johnson despite the draft capital is fairly telling. And also, mm-hmm. when Harbaugh comes in, like Harbaugh's going to have a short leash with any of the the previous guys, in my he has opinion. no affiliations. No, None. he has no ties to those guys. Like, he owes them nothing, and that's the biggest worry. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, well, we wanted to also dive in, before we dive into these this 2024 class, I want to ask you about probably the most polarizing guy right now in redraft and in best ball and certainly in dynasty, and that's Kyron Williams. If you, let's say you're subscribing to a few sites, let's say you get your rankings from several analysts, mm-hmm. the dynasty rankings on Kyron Williams are going to be all over the place. There's certain people that look at him as a guy who's going to be the next James Robinson a kind of guy that gives you a huge initial pop and then falls apart. There's others who view him as an elite weapon who had multiple 30-point performances in year two and basically kicked Cam Akers out of town, and he has longevity with a coach that's had multiple guys perform at his RB1 spot in Sean McVay. It's a big fantasy litmus test right now, Debro, and in the dynasty streets, Kyron Williams is cheaper than you think. Where are you at on Kyron Williams? Kyron Williams right now in my dynasty ranks, which are updated uh, last week, he is my RB5 in dynasty. So, I I, I, I mean, how could you not? And, and let's let's go through all this, Theo. Let's let's pick this apart. How could you not be in on Kyron Williams? Like I, I like at this point, and and for me, it's I'm not chasing my tail trying to get back ahead of it because 100% transparency. I was not in on Kyron Williams as a prospect. But I'm also going to throw this out there. If you're going to sit here and wag your tail about you love Kyron Williams so much as a prospect, you saw all this coming. Come on, man. Like, for real? Like, I'm sorry. I'm calling bullshit on that. Because the reality of it is Kyron Williams as as a rookie did not look like the player we saw last season. Kyron Williams in college, you could say, okay, he was talented. He did not look like the player we saw last season. And some of these things, and this is why I'm buying into Kyron Williams, is the more new information we get about a player and how they establish themselves. People could see you could use the James Robinson comparison if you're going to confirm your priors on Kyron Williams. Can we also not use the Austin Eckler comparison as a guy who had no draft capital? It was a multi-year stud, top of the board RB one. That we, we that can go both ways, man. You can flip that coin a billion different times and come down with guys that you want to tout and want to talk about on both sides of that aisle. But the reality of it is, is Kyron Williams balled out. He shoved Cam Akers to the side. The other part about it is, and this is where I really like, where I think people need to buy in on Kyron Williams is what we saw from the Rams last year, not just with Kyron Williams, but the Rams in totality is they switched up their entire run game scheme to fit Kyron Williams. You're talking about a team at its heyday with Todd Gurley and such. They were a stretch and outside zone team. Kyron Williams changed all that. They ran more power. They ran more gap. They ran more duo. They got him downhill because he does not have that requisite burst. Can he get the edge at times if it's blocked? 
Yes. Do you want him running stretch zone the entire freaking game? Shit, no. So what they did is they changed up their run game scheme to fit their new bell cow. And when he came back from injury, it's not like they limited him and he came back to a 60% snap share. Now, in projecting Kyron Williams forward, I do want the Rams to take a guy in round four, round five. I do want the Rams to eke in another back. I don't want Kyron Williams at his size playing 95% of the snaps. I want Kyron Williams playing 75% of the snaps or 60 or 70% of the snaps and getting all of the high leverage work and to stay healthy for a full season. So if the Rams draft the guy in round five, I don't care. But all of these things need to be added for context about when you talk about Kyron Williams. Yeah, I feel like it's one of these players where people are like kind of piling on and trying to, you know, say that he's a, a sell. For me, I'm I'm kind of neutral here. If somebody wants to pay me the farm for any running back, you know, uh, yeah, I'm probably yeah, taking it. I get it. that. But when it when it comes down to like looking to sell because he had a big performance, that's the wrong way to go about this game. And I'll say this, D bro, you bring up the high value touches. He's a player that coming out of Notre Dame, he had a slow 40 time, but he was a guy that we thought this guy can really catch the football at the NFL level. I think in his de facto year two, because he missed so much time as a rookie, mm -hmm. they could use him more as a pass catcher. Um, and I think there'll be interesting ways. So I, I, I think that right now, because the market is so cool on him, I think he's probably a buy more than a sell in pretty much any dynasty yes. league. Um, there's people who are saying take any first you can get for Kyron Williams, which is just no. like, you know, that's, if somebody that's, wants to be that's them, asinine. It's yeah. totally asinine. There's a difference between the 104 and the 112. Like, you know, it's it's a little different, everybody. Um, but let's dive in. We had a lot of success from this running back class that Kyron was in, the Brees Hall class of 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, these guys completely crushed it last year when it comes to a collective class. If you simply look at the PPR scoring leaders, you've got about nine RB2s or better. Um, it's mm -hmm. wild. Now, I'm going to give you a list of guys. You tell me your favorite one heading into next year, and then you tell me the obvious sell for you. And we're going to okay. skip Brees Hall. Brees Hall's Brees Hall. Uh, but Rashad White, Ken Walker, James Cook, and Isaiah Pacheco. All of these guys are getting drafted as like RB10 to RB15 level on mm -hmm. underdog, all of them have trade equity right now, and all of them are going to be in that dead zone. So the biggest sell for me is easily Rashad White. The biggest buy for me is James Cook. Um, people are, and part of this is what we saw to James Cook and the usage down the stretch. And you want to talk also about like the retaining of the retention of Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator. I mean, that's going to send him to the moon, man. I mean, what we saw to him is. Once Joe Brady took over, there wasn't this worry about using James Cook in a high-volume role. I mean, basically down the stretch, James Cook was your dollar store version of Kyron Williams. As far as being an explosive player, he got a lot of usage. The high-value touches went up. The pass game usage went up. And people will point to, okay, well, James Cook didn't play 70 80% of the snaps. He didn't need to. He was getting 20-plus touches, playing 50% of the snaps. So why are you, you going to run him into the ground? When he was on the field, he got work. That's what we care about. And the other side of the coin is Rashad White got all the damn work, but he wasn't efficient at all. Nobody could point to an efficiency metric outside of yards per route run for Rashad White that is 
beautiful for him outside of volume stats. You want to tell me about, oh, his total of missed tackles forced and stuff like that. It's a volume stat. What I care about is his per touch efficiency because that's what matters. Okay. So does he have the talent to hold on to that role? People need to get out. Like, look, I'm sorry. If we were at this point, if you're still comparing him to, oh, he's because he, he, we heard about it. We heard about it. Theo as a prospect and stuff. He's David Johnson level. That type of athleticism has not translated to the field as far as what he has done on the field in a per-touch efficiency basis outside of the pass game. It has not. So you're telling me Rashad White garnered everything. He got all the work last year, and he was not efficient at all on early downs. He was bad. We could call him terrible on early downs. He was not an efficient runner. If Tampa Bay gets a running back with any type of juice or talent, which I'm sorry, all the Sean Tuckerites out there, he wasn't that guy. He's not that guy. He proved it all last year. If they draft a guy in round four, round five, somebody to compliment Rashad White, Rashad White's not going to be a bell cow in 2024. He's not. They're going to work a committee. And you want to talk about, a, again, Canellis being gone, Bowles handles a lot of the defensive side, how much he's got to say or how much he's going to sit here and nitpick what they're doing as far as RB rotation. We could sit here and leave that up in the air. But again, we talk about talent wins out and Rashad White. I'm not telling you that he's a total schmo. He's not just like this, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust kind of guy. He's better in the passing game. But if they get a guy that is really talented as far as rushing talent, he's not going to retain that bell cow role at all. So White's your White's your sell, James Cook is your buy. Let's give you let's take it back into full context here. Mm -hmm. Super flex. James Cook and the 204 in a dynasty rookie draft or Kyron Williams. I'll take the James Cook side. Um only because there's one of the guys that we're going to talk about from Senior Bowl and if I'm able to add him as far as I'm doubling up on running backs that I think are freaking super studs, <laughs> sign me up, man. Sign no. me up. And, and I don't think the other part about this, Theo, and I'll, I'll mention this here. I don't think the divide in production that you're going to get from James Cook and Kyron Williams is probably as far or as wide as people might believe. So if I'm going to get that much extra sauce on top of getting James Cook, and I think that like, you could, we could quibble about like what tier they're in and versus, but like both of them, I I think are going to be RB ones next year. Then I'll, I'll I'll take the second. Tearing up at the running back position, even if it feels uncomfortable, is often the right move. Yeah. Debro brings up a fact, and we're going to dive into some of these rookies, but these late first and early second is going to be loaded with guys we can we can get, mm -hmm. you know production from at the running back position because it's kind of pushed down in this class but there's one other running back that i know you have as a screaming dynasty buy right now <laughs> we talked about this last night and it got me fired up let everybody know the running back you're looking to get in your dynasty leagues man i've been talking about him for a few weeks i mean go back and check the receipts this uh was i tweeted this out a few weeks ago um and i think like i've heard a little bit of buzz whereas when i tweeted this People are like, oh, you're batshit crazy. No, no, no. Julio McLaughlin is a screaming buy. He is the biggest screaming buy in all of Dynasty at the running back position because if you think you're being cute going out setting out offers for Tajay Spears, 
people already know. If you think you're being cute by going out and sending offers for Zamir White, <laughs> people already know. Jaleel McLaughlin, that volume has not gotten turned up to 11 yet. It's coming, baby. It's coming. And I'm here to tell people it's going to happen because McLaughlin was a freaking super stud. And the only domino that we need to see fall is either he hops Samaj P around on the depth chart, which I think by the end of the stretch run, we can make a decent case that that's already probably in the works or has happened. Or they cut Samaj P around in the offseason because they can do that and save money against the cap. Now, do they probably do that? No, because as a team, especially with Javante, second year off the ACL, you got Jaleel McLaughlin, who is a smaller, more slider back. In that sense, with his size, you probably want to just keep Samaje on a cheap contract for depth. But Jaleel McLaughlin, we want to we want to diagnose and find these guys that were super uber productive on a per touch basis. McLaughlin checks every damn box, Theo. Like amongst sixty eight qualifying running backs, he's fourteenth. He last year fourteenth in explosive run rate, fifth in missed tackles forced per attempt. Fourth in yards after contact per attempt. What's not to like? Oh, and guess what? On top of all of that, amongst all running backs with 20 or more targets per fantasy points data, he was fourth in yards per route run. So now we're getting pass game utility out of it. And you're also getting, okay, well, what about Javante Williams? That's going to drive down his value. Okay, well, what about their quarterback situation? That's going to drive down his value. Do you think Sean Payton's not going to try to get the quarterback situation figured out before next year? They could sign Kirk Cousins. His value goes up tomorrow. They draft a guy. His value goes up tomorrow. They trade for Justin Fields. His value goes up tomorrow. I want Jaleel McLaughlin every single place that I could get him. And right now in my early redraft ranks, I have him ranked as RB24. And I have him ahead of Javante Williams. And this comes down to people might think that I'm, I'm over my skis and I'm just being hyperbolic and, and idiotic at this point. But I'm not, man. I want to be ahead of guys that have already proven that they can be per-touch efficiency monsters. So we're looking at the NFL last year. I was very, very much on the train of, I am fading Devon Achan. I'm going to fade um, Jameer Gibbs to an extent because of their size. The NFL is showing us that right now that size is mattering less and less. And I'm not telling you, okay, 150-pound running back is going to get 350 touches. But at that type of efficiency, if you get the pass game utility and you get the red zone work, he doesn't need freaking 300 touches to be a top 24 running back. He needs the red zone usage, he needs the pass game usage, and he needs to be efficient. That's all you need out of a guy that you're going to be able to get thrown into trades. You're going to be able to draft later than you should for his upside and with all the uncertainty around him. Again, let's also talk about Sean Payton has a history of using more slight running backs. We could just make the easy, low-hanging fruit comparison to Darren Sproles and say, well, shit, Sean Payton doesn't care about size. Why do I, Why should I? Yeah, and I think that even if you don't want to go as as high up as, as RB24 in terms of where you think he's going to end up next year, like it, it's, it's very easy uh, to see a scenario where this happens. I compare him a little bit right now to where we were at on Jalen Warren where we saw enough, and then Jalen Warren gives us, despite the presence of Najee Harris and a change at the offensive coordinator position, at the end of the year, Jalen Warren gave us multiple RB2 weeks and finishes right on that RB2 line. So 
Love that one. There's a wide receiver that we also talked about that we both see as a big winner from the coaching changes. Uh, Why don't we talk a little bit about Drake London and our hopes for him this offseason? Drake London is a true alpha. I don't want people to get it twisted. He is a true alpha. If And I said this earlier in the week on another show, and I'm going to say it again here. God, it's, it sounds like I'm just trying to drop hot takes, but I really don't give a shit. Like, this is honest, like, process and how I feel about these guys. If you give Drake London a league average neutral passing rate, not bottom five, if you give Drake London league average quarterback play, not bottom five. And I'm sorry, Marcus Marietta wasn't it. I'm sorry, Taylor Heineke wasn't it. I'm sorry, Desmond Ritter wasn't it. You give him both of those elements, I'm telling you right now, Drake London is going to catch 95 to 100 balls in 2024. It's going to happen, man. He is going to be a wide receiver one. He is going to eviscerate. You do not see this type of profile that often as far as a true freaking alpha at his size and what he has done over the last two seasons. Now, people could cry in their hands about the fantasy production, but the per route efficiency, the ability to garner targets, that offense overall in its complexion with him and Kyle Pitts standing alone as the two twin pillars of that passing attack, even if they add a guy, Drake London is still the damn dude. I don't care if they draft a guy in the second or third round. Does not matter. Drake London is a true alpha, and he's breaking out this year. And I hate the argument. I agree with you completely about Drake London. It just takes rational coaching, really. And also, the quarterback position cannot get worse. He's had some of the worst quarterback play that any player could have been given. And we're talking about Drake London, too, D-Bro. This is a guy that was 20 as a rookie. Comes in as a 20-year-old, seeing that sort of target share. This is a guy that's been hardened by the NFL, and he's still younger He's younger than a couple of the wide receivers we're going to talk about from the senior bowl. Uh, It's going to be really exciting. And like people talk about the quarterback, like if they miss out on cousins, if they miss out on Kirk cousins, they're still going to end up with a better quarterback, more consistent. Sign Jacoby Brissett. I don't give a shit. Give me league average quarterback play and Drake London's going to the damn moon. I'll tell you a guy that I think could be in the mix for Atlanta as a stopgap. I personally think Atlanta is going to try to trade up and get one of these quarterbacks in this class, Agreed. like Jaden Daniels. Agreed. That's going to be their first route. Kirk Cousins, they are Kirk Cousins, they're obviously going to try to get. But I think one guy kind of hanging out there, not Justin Fields, but Sam Howell as a stopgap okay. quarterback. I could see that because I think they're going to Washington's going to draft a quarterback, and Sam Howell's going to be moved. He showed certainly a lot more than the quarterbacks that Drake London's played with. But we've got to dive into these rookies. Oh, D-Bro, go ahead. I'll see your Sam Howell, and I'll raise you Russell Wilson. They signed him, Drake London, to the moon. Russell Wilson might be in the booth next year, though. I think Russell Wilson, it might be. Might. Yeah, so, uh, but any way you cut it, there's going to be better quarterback play in Atlanta. Uh, And we got to dive into some of these rookies. We're going to dive into looking for guys that are going to help us in our dynasty rosters from the Senior Bowl, and a couple guys rising up rookie draft boards, including... Lad McConkey and Roman Wilson after we take a short break. Oh, I see it every day online, every single day. Hey, that looks like a great fantasy team in an eight-team league. Oh, wish I could be in a league with you, right? Well, guess what? Now you can respond with, sure, let's play on Battle. That's the beauty of this platform. This new Battle platform standardizes all position scoring. So you just load your team and you challenge your friend, your colleague, Twitter troll, and you can browse other teams and issue challenges. Bettle 
is revolutionizing fantasy football. And with code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match plus a free $10. So even if you deposit $20, you get $50. Think about that. So go to Betel.com. The code is UNDERWORLD. Betel.com. The code is UNDERWORLD. Or click a link in the description. It's fun to be right. Welcome back to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger, joined by Derek Brown, a.k.a. Debro of Fantasy Pros. Debro, Mobile. This is this is a place where last <laughs> year, last year we got Tank Dell. Mm-hmm. Last year we got Puka Nakua. It's happening more and more frequently that mm-hmm. we're seeing guys have huge, impactful performances. We're also seeing guys that come in on a smaller scale and help our teams out right away. You mentioned Trey McBride. He was in Mobile. We yep. talked about Jake Ferguson just scored three touchdowns in an NFL playoff game. He Damian was in Pierce, Mobile. Damian Ajay Pierce, Spears, Michael Wilson. Like the, the the list goes on, Theo. It's it's <laughs> it's so deep, and the draft really does start in Mobile. And I think it also it's when we start to see the shifts in rookie draft rankings. Is a lot of guys get get corrected, people get exposed, and people also open eyes. And this year, it seems like there was a lot of winners. I want to start at the top with a guy that's really, really flying up rookie draft boards. I posted my top 10 rookie wide receiver rankings on playerprofiler.com this this week, and I had a couple of questions about my ranking of Roman Wilson. And Roman Wilson, this is a guy who apparently the Michigan, Michigan ran a 4-3-3. And yep. Debro, there are some rumors that his shuttle time is going to be a potential combine record, like right up there for record for wide receivers. So we're talking about a guy who can absolutely fly athletically, and I think that that was always sort of the case at Michigan, but his production at Michigan was not really there, and they were a run-first team, and this was Roman Wilson had a chance to go and you know grab the bull by its horn, so to speak, in Mobile, and he did it, and he absolutely crushed mm-hmm. it, and he's been the talk of the town. Where are you at on Roman Wilson? I know he's a guy that gained a lot of value in your eyes. He is. And so I think this is a really good talking point about understanding context from Mobile and also the entire overall evaluation of a player in the sense that, and I'm not taking anything away from Roman Wilson. He had a fantastic week. I think he tests out the freaking gym. You know, me and me and Thor were going back and forth on uh, when we got in Mobile about, does he run a 4-4 four, 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 I was more on the 4-4 four, four thing, and then I do a little more homework, Thor assisted, and I'm like, oh, shit, he's already ran four threes before. Oh, great. He's already been – he's on the freak list. Okay. Well, never mind. He's a 4-3 guy. Okay, I get it. But with Roman Wilson, we also need to understand that and go back to a little bit of the eval and look at his overall analytical profile. And I'm not going to the counting stats and stuff like that, but what I will say about Roman Wilson is – He's still a guy that in his career at Michigan, it wasn't until 2023, so four years at Michigan, it wasn't until 2023 that he surpassed 2.3 yards per route run. So even on a per route basis, like I, I care more about your per route numbers and your efficiency with that uh, or yak per reception and stuff like that. Like I want to know on a per route basis what you did because that throws all the volume stouts out the damn window, man. So we could parse through do you really have the talent? And this is another reason why I was so high on Christian Watson when he came out. It wasn't just the stuff with Mobile. It was if you compared him against all FBS and FCS wide receivers when he came out, 
He was top five in yards per route run in that large of a contingent. So on a per route basis, we consider and talk, throw out the games of, okay, well, the team's more run heavy. Okay, well, he's not getting that much volume. What does he do with the volume? You know, it's the same kind of conversation we've had for two, three years, like on Drake London. And it continues with Roman Wilson. So I really like Rome. I think he had a very, very good week. I think that he helped himself and he's going to continue to help himself as a guy that I looked at entering the process as I had a round four draft grade on him. I think he's going to be a very serviceable wide receiver three in an NFL offense. Maybe if he falls into like the perfect scenario and all the stars align for, for his talent, maybe he he's a wide receiver two in an NFL offense. I'm not saying wide receiver two in fantasy, but wide receiver two in an NFL offense. Because as much as we want to hype all of these guys, Theo, like let's be real here. You can only have so many wide receiver ones in fantasy. You don't have 12 of them. You can only have so many wide receiver twos in fantasy. So many wide receiver threes. Like you can't hype up every single freaking prospect in the process and say, ah, oh, he's going to be the next blah, 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 blah. Like all these guys have just sky high ceilings. If that's the case, then what are we doing here? What, what's the point of prospect work? Because if every guy is going to be a superstar, then why do we even need to worry about it? But that's not the reality of it, man. The yeah, reality no. of it is, is that a lot of these guys are going to go on to be solid NFL players, have moments of fantasy relevance. Maybe they're good, but can they be great? And the way that I'll look at Roman Wilson is, I think he can be a good guy for us in fantasy. He's probably not going to ascend and be a wide receiver one in an NFL offense. And so that only pushes you so far up the board on a player that, yes, I really like him. And he had a fantastic week in Mobile. He also showed some limitations to his game when they put him on the outside, asked him to win on the boundary, tried to run him on go routes or up the boundary. And he did get jammed up at times on corners or they got their hands on him and they were able to stay with him in, their, in his back pocket. So, again, I don't want to get too far out over our skis for three days of practice in Mobile and going back to context over the for the overall eval. Yeah, and I, that's sort of where I'm at. I think that he's a big-time athlete, and I think in order for him to take a really big step forward uh, fantasy-wise, he's going to need some offensive coordinator to just stick him in the slot, pepper him with targets, manufacture some mm -hmm. touches, use his athleticism. Like, sometimes that happens, but a lot of times th those guys just kind of blend in, and they never make the massive impact for our fantasy teams. I'll take the over on the uh, – I think he's going to end up being a day-two guy when it's all said and done, but the problem is that this draft class mm. is just so – deep and there's two guys that i am ahead of than than roman wilson when it comes to fantasy football uh that were down in mobile and the first of which is malachi corley this is a guy that i've been bullish on out of western kentucky he's built like a bowling ball like a debo mm -hmm. samuel curtis samuel type build where he looks more like a running back than he does a wide receiver um he was efficient huge yak guy at Western Kentucky, and not just like, hey, I'm going to be shifty, but hey, like I'm going to put my shoulder into you and knock you over and earn more yards that way. Uh, he scored a number of touchdowns, and he had himself a nice week. Uh, Debro, your thoughts on Malachi Corley and his potential in the NFL? So I, I will definitely say that I'm lower than consensus on Malachi Corley, and and I, and I don't want to like bury the kid, but when I look at his the totality like his analytical profile and this is where i go back to like marrying analytical profiles and film and trying to marry all of this into a full evaluation i look at malachi corley is you, you hit the nail on the head though theo like 
He's a manufactured touch guy. He's going to be a true slot wide receiver in the NFL. And in that role, to really break out, you have to be uber stupid talented. And I'm not saying that Malachi Corley is a total schmo. Like for me, I look at Malachi Corley and I say, okay, the analytical profile says I should love you. The film, when I watch the film and what I saw in Mobile, I'm a little bit lower than consensus on him because I saw a guy that we also have to take in context of level of competition coming out of Western Kentucky and the way that he wins. So you're not talking about a guy that is a extremely refined route runner. You're not talking about a guy that's going to be able to play probably the outside and inside and have versatility in that. And so then what are we left with? Malachi Corley is a manufactured touch guy. Use him on screens, try to use him on yak and stuff like that. And he's a slot player. Now, if he goes to a team that doesn't run a crap ton of 11 personnel, he's going to be limited. He's not going to play in 12 personnel. And I think uh, looking at him in the lens of being Debo is probably the absolute like over the moon ceiling comp for him. I look at him more in the in the realm of I, I and I know this player and has not done much as far as an as a pro. We've seen flashes, but we have not seen in totality just a monster season. It was a very quiet season, but his rookie year we could see those flashes. I look at Malachi Corley as a poor man's Rondell Moore. Now, there are differences in his profile. Do I think he's a better route runner than, than Rondell Moore? Yes. Can you use, use him in different ways that Rondell Moore came out and he was more raw in? Yes. Those are pluses for Malachi Corley. But I have worries and concerns about Malachi Corley. Like, how well is he going to test? Is he going to test out the gym? And how much does his tackle-breaking ability and yak ability translate to the NFL versus where he came from at Western Kentucky? It's a lot easier to bowl those dudes over and break arm tackles for a lower level of competition versus if you were in the SEC, you were at Power 5, and things like that. So not trying to take anything away from the kid, but just looking at the role that he operated in in college, projecting that to the NFL and saying, what is his median range of outcomes? What is his ceiling? I don't see the Uber ceiling that other people do, despite saying, yes, if you look at his analytical profile, I should be over the moon for him and I should love him. But when I marry all of this stuff together, I find that I'm very much lower than consensus. Well, he's a low ADOC guy, which is yeah. concerning to some people. But again, it seemed like it was a little bit more of the Western Kentucky scheme. And I'm not going to try to claim to be an expert in breaking down Conference USA schemes. But when you watched it, again, it's all manufactured near the line of scrimmage. Yeah. But he's a, he's a beast. And, and Debra, I'll take away as a positive what you just said. You just told me it's a 5'11 Rondell Moore, which a lot of people are going to say, well, that's exciting. Uh, yeah. You know, we're, we're going with a bigger Rondell Moore. So, you know, you can galaxy brain your way on that one. No, Here's I mean, and I don't want to hate on the kid. Like, he's got talent and stuff like that. But the other thing I'll say from Mobile, from the Mobile perspective, Theo, I thought he had an okay week. I don't think that he had like this monster, like, holy crap. Like, and, and I'll, and I'll say this and I'll, I'll put a bow on all of these guys right now because we brought this up Theo earlier and I meant to mention it there. I will quickly say, because everybody's asked me and, and I know you've gotten questions. Everybody that's gone to mobile got similar type of questions. Who is this year's tank Dell? Who is this year's Puka Nakua? Who is this year's Christian Watson from mobile? My quick answer is nobody. That's fair. And I think that that's, it's a high bar set, obviously, with Dell yep. 
and Nakua. We mm-hmm. rarely see those guys coming out of the senior bowl. Um, now with Watson, could guys have a, a sample size of giving us a, you know, five, six games of, of high level play with some maybe engine upside. Maybe <laughs> I, and one guy that I think that if he lands correctly could be really, really advantageous for, for fantasy football. And that's lad McConkey. Mm-hmm. Lad McConkey had a win when they tested him on his height and weight. He measured in a, a little bit heavier and a little bit taller than some people thought he would be. This is a guy who was a, a early contributor for Georgia. He was a guy that was, was very good on special teams was always in the box score, no matter who was around him, uh, had some really big games. And also they used him on manufactured rushing plays. This is a guy where some people described him as unguardable and deep If he lands in the right spot, this is a guy who could be a killer in the slot. Again, I don't think this is a guy that's ever going to be a wide receiver one, but I think that, mm-hmm. that in his range of outcomes is, is multiple seasons of wide receiver two production. Would you agree on that with Lad McConkie? I, I could see that for Lad, and if you want to, you want to talk about like I think people put these guys in the same type of phylum as far as like skill sets and things like that. As far as like we just talked about Malachi Corley and putting <clears throat> at least not not I've heard them used in the same breath, and I think it's really wrong. Um, and and the reason I say that is because if you look at the the overall skill set of these guys, I think Ladd has more inside-outside versatility than Malika Corley. He proved that in Mobile. He had the ability to win. Now, do you want Ladd McConkey playing on the outside 70% of his snaps? No. Could he be a guy that's like 60% slot, 40% outside, depending on the matchups that you have, the zone coverage, or the coverage types that you're seeing? Yes, I think that Ladd could do that. And the reason I say that is because... <clears throat> Looking at Ladd in Mobile, he not only won from the slot religiously there, and whether it was crossers, drag routes, um, out routes, things like that, he won in that that realm. But you also saw the versatility to win on the outside. We saw Ladd win multiple reps on the outside, on the perimeter. And whether that was asking him to stretch the field a little bit or asking him to run a post, asking him to run a go route or a double move, he has more upper body strength and he has more nuance to his routes where I think that he has more versatility than just being an 80% slot guy. He is the guy that has more refinement to his game, which is going to give him a higher starting point in the NFL and a higher ceiling down the road than a guy like Malachi Corley. So, lad, I do like him. And right now – and. People hear this comp, and I threw this out there in Mobile, and, and, and I got pushback for it even when my write-ups for the wide receiver primer went live on Fantasy Pros. I threw this comp out there for him. And tell me uh, uh, again here, Theo, do you have the measurements for Lad? Like, where did he come in at as far as size and weight? So I know the weight was right at 185, <clears throat> which mm-hmm. a lot of people thought he would be one of these slight guys like 170. So 185 was a win. Yep. And I believe the height was 5'10 or 5'11. I want to say 5'11 off the top of my head. Okay. The same guy, the guy that has the same exact measurements, 5'11, 185. And I'm old enough to remember this guy garnered 123 targets in his second year in the NFL and caught 85 balls. Did we ever see that type of high upside ever again? No, because of injuries and because of where he went in his career. Lad McConkey is just a better version of Danny Amendola to me. And people think that's a people think that's a slight. And I'm like, it's not a slight. Danny Amendola was really freaking good. And because of 
injuries and situation and stuff, his career didn't play out that he was just a monster producer. That's not to say the kid didn't have freaking talent. Danny Amendola, there was a time period where the young kids would say he was like that. Danny Amendola was was pretty good for a time. I don't yeah. think that's a negative at all. No. And I think realistic, uh, realistic comparisons, anytime you compare a guy to a guy who's retired or out of the league, people always get a little bit annoyed because why can't you give me a guy that's currently playing? Um, I had I had Jeff Bell on last week's Dynasty Life. Highly recommend mm -hmm. that one. If you, if you like hearing Debro, you love hearing Jeff Bell talk about the rookies yeah, as Jeff well. Sharp. But Jeff had a Tory Holt, uh, Malik Neighbors oh, comparison. And I thought that was, once he said it, I'm like, there you go. I love that, that you yep. go with the retired yep. guy. But I'll say like, Lad McConkey, the one thing that he has going that we don't have to worry about with Wilson and Corley is McConkey's getting drafted early. Like he's going to be uh, at the very least a second rounder. This profile out of Georgia, he's going to run well, D-Bro. And this guy's got the pedigree. Someone's taking this kid somewhere between, let's say, 28 and 48. He's going to go in that, that, that range where we've seen a lot of guys hit. I'll, I'll say this. You can count me out on him being a first-round pick. I don't think there's any chance of that. Um, but to your point, I think he can get into round two. Like, I've got a round three grade on him with the idea that a team could love him and take him in round two. Like, you're going to tell me that Lad McConkey is this year's Jaden Reed, and I'll be like, okay, fine. Like, I'm not yeah. going to push back on that. Like, I, I could see that. But at this point of last year, was anybody out there saying, oh, Jaden Reed's going to be a second-round pick in the NFL draft? Shit, no, man. But it happened. So where I put Lad McConkey as far as his median range of outcomes, I think he's on the cusp, like round two, round three pick. I've got more of a, like a, a late two, early three kind of grade on him. Could he be a high-end round two guy? Depending on how a team uses him, how a team views him, and he go above our expectations, that won't surprise me at all. Like again, I said he easily could be this year's Jaden Reed, and that will not surprise me. But I don't see him sneaking into the first round. Here's a couple scenarios right at the back end of that first round. Here's here's the, here's how this all works. 2020, we had seven wide receivers go in the first round. Mm -hmm. This is one of the best wide receiver classes we've seen in a long time. I think you're going to get the three wide receivers going in the top 10 and a lot yep. of guys get pushed up and people don't want to get boxed out. And also throw this one out there, D bro, the very end of the first round, Todd Munkin and the Baltimore Ravens, a guy like Lad McConkey comes in. He's helping that offense right away. So we'll, 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 we'll galaxy brain a little bit more. Let's talk <laughs> about a couple guys where they didn't help themselves in mobile. Xavier Legette. This was a guy who was our 23 years old. Um, we wanted him to be six foot three. That's where we were told he was going to be. We said DK Metcalf size. He's six one. He's AJ Brown size yep. without doing anything till his senior year. Uh, you don't have to go into too much depth because I want to hit a bunch of these guys with you. In or out on Xavier Leggett, uh as an NFL player that can help us in fantasy. I'm out. I'm out on Leggett. He. You look at his profile. He's not going to have an early breakout age. He's not like he was really good in his final season, but there's a lot of holes to his game. And I want to say like, not so much like maybe it's not holes is not the best descriptor. I'll say he's inconsistent. There's a lot of things in his game he needs to improve on. And I'll, I'll the, the quick synopsis from mobile is that I think Leggett was not fully healthy 
even entering that week. And I've thrown this out there to, to, to a few different people, and I haven't heard anything definitive come back. Yes, he came, he left A3 with an injury that that that's been talked about. But what I want to mention here about Leggett is in Mobile, he had a horrible day one, had a really, really good day two. Day one, he looked slow, he looked clunky in and out of his breaks. Day two, he looked like a totally different player. I don't think that he was fully healthy at any time in Mobile because he wore a compression sleeve over his left lower leg. The first day we were out there watching practices, they had all the guys go through the agility gauntlet and stuff. They're going around barrels and stuff like that. Leggett, while everybody else is trying to push in and go, whoo, 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 try to get through this and look good and pristine and beautiful for all the NFL coaches, Leggett was a guy that was going at half speed. And you don't do that. Like, that's not looking bad to an NFL, uh, you know, franchise if you're garnering or if you're dealing with some type of injury and you don't want to get injured. If anything, that's going to give you kudo points from any of those guys saying, look, you're not fully healthy, but you're out here freaking trying to make your way, you know? So I don't want to take anything away from him. But if you look at the profile, you look at the week in Mobile and the problems in his game, because I was really dismissed that he came in at 6-1 as a guy that when I wrote him up, Theo, I said literally, and you could talk about this like in two different ways of being good or bad. He moves like a guy that is bigger than he actually is. And I meant that in a bad sense in, in the way that, when you ask him to run short area routes, you ask him to gear down, sink his hips, get on comebacks, and win on out routes and things like that, which you have to be a triple-level threat to have that type of you know insane ceiling in fantasy. Leggett has inconsistencies and some problems there. He doesn't move like that. So then you're telling me he, he measures in two inches shorter than what we thought he was, and he's an older prospect, and he's a guy that has a late breakout age? Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out too. I think that this could be a... Jonathan Mingo, like we saw yes. Mingo come in yes. last year. That's exactly so. what I said. It's exactly I'm not gonna what get I said too. I'm not going to get tricked by the draft capital, especially this year when there's so no. many wide receivers in this class. Uh, let's talk about Brendan Rice. Uh, in or out on Brendan Rice. Jerry Rice's son, out. big out. Okay, we can keep moving on because he's a borderline guy. Here's a, here's a guy that's the hive mind is really not uh, not not like let's not even say uh, uh, the hive mind. Let's say that they there is a hive for this player, and there oh, are dear. people that are digging their heels in I know on Ricky Pearsall. Okay. There's a Ricky Pearsall hive out there that anytime you put out content about wide receivers, the Ricky Pearsall people kind of come at me with, uh, hey, man, where's Ricky Pearsall? You got to move Ricky Pearsall up. I'm not there. He had the catch of the year last year at Florida. If anybody wants to yep. watch, uh, <laughs> like a, a, it was like a... <sighs> He went like full Michael Jordan in the middle of the field, and like it was, it was like the Odell catch, but in college, like yeah, the, it was he defied the laws of physics. So anybody that I think it was against um, Charlotte, maybe it was against it was a smaller I, school. I don't remember, but it's it's uh, it was early in the year, so it's probably yeah, that sounds about right. So Ricky Pearsall had had a positive week. There's mm -hmm. some people that like him a lot more than I do. Where are you at on Pearsall? Pearsall really helped himself at Mobile. I think he was a fifth-round guy, and now he's probably a fourth-round guy in the NFL draft. I think Pearsall is going to be a very, very – he's going to be a much better pro and NFL player than he is going to be for us in fantasy. I look at Pearsall as – and NFL teams look at him as a slot wide receiver. So let's throw that out there right now. He is going to play the slot in the NFL. Every agent, every scout, even Pearsall himself told us uh, when Thor interviewed him in Mobile that teams are looking at him as a slot wide receiver, as they should. And Pearsall is a guy, if you look at the nuance to his game, he's a very, very polished player. 
He has good route running chops. He could sell routes, and he's very good at the catch point. But if you also add the other parts of his game and add another layer of context to it, he has to be that good at the catch point because he's not the best separator consistently. And some of this is not, it has nothing to do with Pearsall and his acumen and how smart he is and how good he is through his routes. I think he's more of an athletically limited player. Like, I don't think that he's going to test out the freaking gym. And so that's going to limit more of his upside. Could he be a guy that we talk about that get that walks into one of these years, Theo? Could he walk into like 800 receiving yards and eight touchdowns or, you know, be like kind of like a, a Tyler Boyd at the NFL? I won't be surprised if that happens for Pearsall, but I can't project that moving forward for a player that as much as, and, and again, I think it's very important this time of year to frame these things and, and have context with this stuff because people get lost in the echo chamber, the, the hype sauce and, and whether it's mobile or, or combine or pro days and people are like, they dig their freaking heels in. And it's like, you can't hype every damn player to the moon. You can't talk about every guy about being like this otherworldly talent there's only so many players that can get drafted in the top two rounds of the NFL draft. There's only so many players that can be in these, these tiers in fantasy and produce at those levels. So you can't hype every damn guy to the moon. So like with Pearsall, I think the context is he had a really good week at Mobile. He showed the parts of his game that are really, really good, as well as we need to go back to the evaluation, Theo. He's also a guy that in 2023, in yards per route run, 86th and PFF receiving grade 53rd and yak per reception. He was 131st. So somebody's going to have to talk me into like this sky high ceiling of Ricky Pearsall. I think he's going to be good, but I don't think he's going to be great. Why why is that a problem? He's a, he's a dude and chasing these, like you better be really sure about it when you start using your valuable rookie picks in dynasty on these guys that are drafted on day three. And, you know, obviously Puka Nakua is going to get a lot of people. Puka Nakua is actually probably going to be a bad thing for dynasty rookie drafts for the next couple of years. People are going to talk themselves into a lot of stuff, man. They're going to be chasing it. They're going to be chasing it. And then, um, you know, we got to take a step back and and look at history. And, you know, lightning does not often hit twice. Uh, So we're going to we're going to lay off that one. How about a guy that I know you like? Uh, quick thoughts on Javon Baker. Love Javon Baker. And I'll be real about the type of week Javon Baker had. Um, it was good. It wasn't great. I was hoping. Now, Now Javon Baker was the guy. If I want to pick out anybody out of this, this entire like group of senior bowl wide receivers, there were three guys that I was hoping for the wide receiver position that really blew it out this week, or, or at least as far as that week went. I, and, and, could they garner that type of hype of, you know, previous years, Tank Dell, Christian Watson, all those guys. The three guys that I was hoping could do that was Jacob Cowing, was Javon Baker, and was Johnny Wilson. Those are the three guys I was like, okay, let's see what you do in Mobile. Because if you look at Javon Baker, like the parts or pieces to his game, highly touted recruit, went to Alabama, didn't get a bunch of play in time, transfers to UCF, and really starts to show out. Like last year, his analytical profile is freaking fantastic, dude. Eighth in yards per route run, 24th in receiving grade, 35th in yak per reception. He was top 20 in contested catch rate. And I don't use that a whole lot as to say like, 
there's two sides of using that stat in any type of, and it needs context with a player's game. Well, I'll just it's, pause it on there. If if you have contested catch rate with the other metrics you're mentioning, then yeah. it's a positive. If it's only yes. contested catch rate, then that's something like, why can't you get open? Ex- Nail on the head, baby. Nail simple on game, the freaking head. Game, simple game, it, D, bro. It doesn't have to be hard, baby, but that's exact. that is absolutely true. And you look at these guys and people want to throw up the contested catch rates for guys. And it's like, well, that's also a function of they can't get open that well. A lot of times the function of they're having to win at the catch point because they're not getting the extra separation and they're route running. And so you could look at that from two different lenses, but when you marry it with a strong analytical profile and you turn on the tape for Javon Baker and he is a player that he's a triple level threat. I'm not telling you he has the speed to take the top off the defense all the time, but he can do that. He's a damn good route runner. He's good in the short and intermediate. He has nuance to his routes. And if you turn on, just turn on the highlight tape of Javon Baker, and you're going to see highlight reel catch after highlight reel catch in the sense of he makes these back shoulder balls, high pointing these things, look like it's freaking easy. And he did that again in Mobile. So day one, day two, you could see that coaches were trying to test his skill set, put him more on the boundary, try to get him to stretch the field, and he had some issues doing that. If you ask him to go win on the short and intermediate and be a guy that can win in short quarters in contested situations or in the red zone, he had a beautiful rep to kick off day three where he skied over a cornerback, and it looked like so many of these times on his film that we've already seen from Javon Baker. So Javon Baker, I entered Mobile extremely high on, I walk out of Mobile not willing to press the super hype, kick it up to 11 type of megaphone on Javon Baker, but do I still have a round three grade on him? Yes. Am I moving off of, and I'm, I'm curious your take on this comp, because people could say it's hot. People could say it's too spicy. He has the same, He is the same height. He is the same weight as this player. I think he's going to test very similarly. As well as Theo, this guy also went round three in the NFL draft. My comp for Javon Baker is Chris Godwin. Now that's I think that's that's spicy. I mean, I think again, it's good the draft capital is going to say a lot about Javon Baker. But it, I think if he goes in the third round, he's got a path to it. And I'll say there's some really smart people, some film people that love Javon Baker just as love much him. as Debro. Cody Carpenter is a huge Javon Baker guy. Yep. Also, Cody is very impressed with his toughness. And you get small sample size, and I hate basing, you know, like you catch guys on an interview. But every time I saw Javon Baker kind of discussing his game, you know, yeah. his he seems like the kind of guy that is very, very confident in his abilities and very focused. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I liked watching him at UCF, and I love the fact that he came from Alabama, so we know he's got that high, high-end pedigree. We yep. saw Jerome Ford. We've saw, seen Jalen Hurts. We've seen multiple yep. guys leave Alabama – to another school and then have success at the NFL level at this point. So I'm, I don't know if I'm quite Chris Godwin, but we'll see, you know, after the NFL draft and draft capital is going to matter for a lot of these guys, but D bro, I've had you in here over an hour and we haven't even talked about the running backs yet. Oh man, I let's, get a, let's, keep, I get a, let's keep the convo I, going, baby. I'm here as long a, as you need me. I get a quick question in the chat from, from all of all these <laughs> auctions wants to know about my top three guys, my top three guys, the running back spot right now are Braylon Allen, Blake Corum and Trey Benson. I'm going to dive into those guys with Ray Garvin next week, right here on nice. Dynasty Life. And I also like 
Jonathan Brooks, if he's healthy, Bucky Irving, I like Audric Estime, and you can find my running back rankings right on the playlist here or on the website. My article is, is up on playerprofile.com, but I want to talk about a guy who is steaming. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Bell had him as his number one running back in this entire class right now, and Debro, you are head over heels with Marshawn Lloyd. Marshawn Lloyd is a USC running back, and it's very easy on us because all these guys transfer schools now. Marshawn Lloyd uh, was very gracious to everybody trying to remember colleges because he went to USC and then he transferred to USC, South Carolina yep. to USC. He's the math guy. If you're a high school sports fan, which was is the powerhouse in the DC area, so Marshawn Lloyd was competing against Caleb Williams in high school. Their two two high schools are big rivals. Pedigree guy coming out of Dematha. That's Brian Westbrook's uh, high school. If you're looking to go way back in the day, NFL running backs. Talk about Marshawn Lloyd. Debro, I love what I see from him. I had him in my top 10 running back rankings. I believe I had him seven or eight. Uh, and he's definitely moving up a little bit. But this is a guy that I think it's appealing that he doesn't have a ton of tread on the tires from college. He wasn't yep. run into the ground, never got past 125 carries. Um, and he showed a little bit of efficiency as a receiver. Wasn't asked to do, a, do it a whole lot, but his yards per reception are insane. Uh, and he certainly helped himself in Mobile. Your thoughts on Marshawn Lloyd? I think Marshawn Lloyd is a freaking superstone, man. I think that people that are box score chasing or looking at all the counting stats are going to say he never even posted a thousand yard rushing season. Um, you're looking at the other parts or pieces like he he never at least had 20 receptions in any type of collegiate season. And you're like, well, why the hell do you love this guy so much? And I'm like, He's also freaking rocked up, dude. Like he measured in at uh, I think it was 5'9, 217. He has the prerequisite size to be a three down back. And if you look at the other deeper parts, and this is again why I go through like, I don't give a shit. Did you run for 1,800 yards if you didn't break tackles well? That doesn't matter, man. Like, can we talk about all these volume stats and these guys and stuff like that? Sure. But give me the guys that are that are freaking per touch monsters and efficiency. And Marshawn Lloyd is that dude. Over the last two years, Theo, he's been top twenty in yards of contact per attempt both years, breakaway run rate both years, PFF elusing rating both years. He's a former freaking five star recruit, man. He literally went. He grew. He, and I had a chance to talk to him for a second in mobile and I, and he's like, I grew up in Delaware, had to transfer, had to go to Maryland just to get seen because nobody recruits guys from Delaware, you know? So he's like, I had to fight for that. Marshawn Lloyd is a guy that you want to talk about who is my biggest, like I'm going to get on the pulpit and like, just scream it to the masses. Marshawn Lloyd's that dude from mobile for me because the per touch efficiency is all there. You turn on his film. He runs freaking nasty man so we know what we're getting both on the analytical and film side <clears throat> on the early downs those are not a question at all but what Marshawn Lloyd did and the biggest thing that's going to help boost his draft stock is he is good at pass protection I see like and now does he have inconsistencies at that sure are there is the tenacity is the play strength is the technique there on some reps for him to be good at that eventually. I believe that. But the biggest boost to his NFL draft stock 
is what he can do in the receiving game. And we heard from multiple scouts, coaches, guys down there at Mobile say they wanted to see the RBs perform in the passing game. Oh, I wonder why. All of this zone coverage, all of this too high uh, increase that we've seen over the last few years, running backs and tight ends are being the answer for how you beat that underneath. Those guys have to produce after the catch. Marshawn Lloyd closed two days, Theo, in a row of really good pass game reps, whether it was team drills and he was running um, angle routes or, or running checkdowns and producing after the catch at Mobile, or like day two when he ran out of the backfield on a wheel route up the sideline and had a beautiful basket catch and everybody in the freaking stands was ooing and eyeing. That's the type of thing that really can bump a guy in their NFL draft stock from round four, round five. And I think he was a round four guy walking into Mobile. I think he's going to get drafted in round three of the NFL draft. People could say I'm insane for that. And my pushback to that is he's going to test well. And he has the analytical profile to back it up. So I, I'm not pushing off of that mark, man. Round three, let's go. Yeah, and I think that this draft class in general is going to have a lot of running backs in that round three, and mm -hmm. we're going to have to be able to evaluate them. And landing spots are going to matter. And I don't buy into the notion that no one's going to end up in round two. I just don't see it happening. I think a couple guys are going to establish themselves. Uh, but more likely than not, this is a draft class where a lot of round three, but we've seen these round three guys hit. You know, certainly we look at Devon A. Chain. Uh, we look at Ty J. Spears as guys whose dynasty stock has gone up exponentially. Um, certainly with Spears, we want to see it. But Rashad White. Samir Rashad White. White like, let's talk guys. about all those yeah. guys. Like a million guys. I mean, to your point also, Theo, and 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 I'm again, I am early on this draft class, but the, what I, what I'm finding so far as I'm slowly moving through guys. I think one of the ways where I'm going to differ from consensus on this class, and again, this is open to change because I'm early on the class. I think I'm going to fall that I'm going to be lower on this wide receiver class than consensus, but I'm also going to be higher on this running back class. I think that's spicy, and I, I know that I've talked to Ray Garvin about this as well because I've been a little more aggressive on some of the running backs in my rankings. But again, it, when we play Dynasty, it's hard to hit on Jameer Gibbs. It's hard to hit on yep. Brees Hall. Those guys cost you a ton. And those guys, once they get there, are going to go very highly in dynasty startups. And they're going to cost you a ton of trade equity if you want to trade for them. But your dynasty roster can be filled with running backs that have utility value. And Debro brought up a bunch of running backs. So we talked about James Cook. We mm -hmm. talked about, you know, Kyron Williams. A lot of these guys that show they can catch the ball, they offer NFL teams like multiple outs and versatility. In this age of running back by committee, these are the kind of guys that finish as RB2s. And if the situation mm -hmm. goes right, they finish as RB1s. Two running backs that have shown that they can catch the ball very well in college, and they took kind of extremely different paths. Ray Davis, who's an older guy, played at Vanderbilt and then transferred to Kentucky. Mega producer. And he had seven receiving touchdowns at, Vander at Kentucky this year. And he mm -hmm. had back-to-back -back seasons with double-digit rushing touchdowns in the SEC. Then you have Dylan Lobby, who I'm, I live on Long Island. We're rooting for Dylan Lobby because he's from Long Island, and there's not too many uh, guys you know, in the, in the league from Long Island. DeBrickashaw Ferguson, Long Island guy. Jeremy Ruckert, a Long Island guy, but there's not too many right now. Uh, so Dylan Lobby had led FCS, New Hampshire player, 
small school guy, led FCS in all-purpose yardage as a junior, and then last year as a senior had like 68 receptions. And Debro, he had one game against against uh, you know a, a traditional like FBS school, Central mm-hmm. Michigan, not exactly Alabama, but he put it on them. Had 12 receptions, went over 250 yards receiving, really catches the ball well in the backfield. Ray Davis, Dylan Lobby, your quick thoughts on those guys. Ray Davis, I mean, I, I liked him in the process, especially like because we talked about the the longevity of his collegiate career. You go back and watch 2019 Ray Davis tape and 2023 Ray Davis tape. And the, the big thing for Ray Davis that I want to highlight here is if you only watch 2019 and 2020, 2021, you're doing yourself a very big disservice. Watch 2023 and tell me if you watch it, those two years or earlier in his career versus what he did in 2023, he looked like a different player to me. And I don't know, I didn't get a chance to to, to talk to Ray Davis because the thing I wanted to ask Ray Davis is, what did you do in your workouts? What did you change from from being 2019, from 2019 to 2023? Because his tape and his numbers are absolutely different on a per-touch basis. Like, he had more juice in 2023, had more second-level burst, and was shiftier in the open field where you didn't see as well as like those attributes in 2019. So as a guy that when I watched his early, uh, early tape from earlier in his career, I was like, man, I don't know, man. Like this guy looks okay. doesn't look great. He looks like a grinder back. And then I turn on 2023 and I'm like, Oh shit. Like this, this guy can move. And then you go down to mobile and I'm like, Oh wow. He's catching one handers and freaking mobile on, on pass routes. And he looks good in his routes. I'm like, okay, let's go Ray Davis. So, there are parts and pieces to like about Ray Davis. I'm curious where the, the NFL consensus or where his draft stock is. Because, again, he is an older prospect, 24 years old right now. It's a day, th- uh, a day three guy any way you cut it. He's older. Yes. He's going to be Whether he's round four or round six, yeah. I agree with you. I, I fully agree with you. I, I have a round five grade on him right now only because of it's not so much that I dislike Ray Davis, but you have to put all of this stuff together. And the reality of it is, He's a little bit older coming out. He has that long career. If he was really, really that, that good, and I'm not saying the kid can't play, but if he was really that freaking good, we wouldn't have seen him stay in college for as long as he did. So I really like Ray Davis, but again, we need context with it. And with, with Lobby, I'm not going to say that I was surprised like I was surprised or disappointed by him. I think what you entered Mobile and looking at his skill set and what he did in Mobile it was more proof of concept for me. It was, okay, okay, he's a really good receiving back. Okay, in Mobile, he was a really good receiving back. Like, I look at Dylan Lobby, again, as a guy that is more physically limited. Like, I don't think he tests extremely well. Like, I think he's probably going to be, as far as, like, a 40 time, I think he's going to be a 4'6 guy, probably. Could he be this year's now? Now, we're going to get back here and and throw this back into the Wayback Machine here. Okay, let me throw it out there. Could he be a Danny Woodhead? Okay, I was gonna say, could he be this year's Kyron Williams? So that's even more exciting. I mean, is that possible in the range of outcomes for his type of receiving upside? It's possible. Now, where here, here's my concerns about him, or what I think is the limiting factor for him. I think that what he showed in Mobile, and as well as he put on his analytical profile and he put on tape, 
is that I think that he is more limited as far as his upside as a rusher. And while he is going to be the preferred passing down back for whatever probably NFL offense, you know, team he lands with, is he going to walk in and probably, you know, probably have that role from day one if he's given a fair shot? Sure. Can he get more than that is where I have a lot of concerns and problems with because, again, we go back to the analytical profile for these guys. Dylan Lobby, as good as he was, and we're talking about a player that last year he was 11th in yards per route run. And this is a this is amongst all FBS and FCS running backs with at least 100 carries and 20 targets. He was 11th in yards per route run, but that's really the only thing that jumps out on his profile because over the last two years, he's been 237th in yards of contact per attempt and 205th. So that's not going to cut the mustard. So my comp for him and, and the way that I could see his career arc playing out in a median range of outcomes is Duke Johnson. Okay. And Duke Johnson had relevance, think, had relevance again. Like yes. people like these are very well thought out, you know, player comps for, for Debro, not necessarily a player comp, but uh, I would say uh, an optimistic, not quite upside comp but a realistic comp. And I, I appreciate yeah. that. There was one running back that did not play in mobile was on the senior bowl rosters. Oh, and I know baby. John, John Lobb is very excited oh. about, and I know oh. you are as well. I know you're uh, going to talk about, I know we're it. talking about a guy who was an ex- extremely explosive running back an early declare guy in Jalen Wright out of Tennessee. Oh. Why don't you talk about Jalen Wright? This could be a, and again, <sighs> he didn't land correctly. But I think like it reminds me a little bit of last year with Israel Abanacanda, where we had like this incredible workout at the school and fantasy Twitter and all the the rookie analysts start kind of getting excited about Abanacanda. I certainly was excited about Abanacanda. Then of course he falls in the NFL draft, ends up behind, you know, a top three dynasty running back in Brees Hall. And it's not that's all she wrote for Israel Abanacanda, but he's gonna need an injury to to put it on. Jalen Wright, though. This is a guy who could end up being another round four draft pick. Super athlete, had a ton of explosive runs for Tennessee. Your thoughts on, on Jalen Wright? I freaking love Jalen Wright. And if if Jalen Wright would have gone to Mobile, I think everybody would be loving Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright would be getting the same type of social media steam that Marshawn Lloyd is getting right now. And it's all, and I want to I want to hit this with a freaking hammer. It's all deserved, dude. It's all deserved. If you look at, because Marshawn Lloyd talked about him in spades, it's all deserved with him. If Jalen Wright would have been in Mobile, every bit of hype that would have been coming out on social media, and I tweeted this, I, I this, this is a, a Jalen Wright fan account. I love Jalen Wright. He's got the size, he's got the speed, and if you marry all of this stuff with his analytical profile, last year at Tennessee, fifth in yards of contact per attempt amongst all FBS running backs with at least 100 carries, 11th in breakaway run rate. He was 13th in PFF elusive rating, 35th in yards per route run. So, and, and it's not like that was a one-year sample because if you go to 2022, he was 26th in yards of contact per attempt. So the numbers are there multi-year that we could see this dude can break tackles with the freaking best of them, man. And he has got some serious freaking juice. He's got runaway, and I put this in my profile uh, up on Fantasy Pros, my, my rookie running back, senior bowl primer. He has runaway from you type of speed. 
So he was not there. And to put this out to everybody, he wasn't there because he was, he was rehabbing. He had surgery on his wrist. So he's rehabbing that. But whenever Jalen Wright is able to test and show out for NFL teams, because he'll be healthy about that time for the combine and pro day and all that kind of stuff. You're going to hear a crap ton of buzz about him. And I'm here to tell you right now, it is all well-deserved. He is another running back that I will not be shocked. One, he's going to go top four rounds of the NFL draft. Two, I won't be surprised if him and Marshawn Lloyd are holding hands and walking down the aisle together in round three of the NFL draft. I love it. And speaking of juice, my man Debro had a lot of juice because I said, Debro, come on with me for 45 minutes. We're at an hour and 20. You've been so generous with your time, so generous with your takes as always. Debro, I'm really looking forward to your NFL draft show with, with Thor. Why don't you let anybody who joined the pod late uh, you know, hear about what you guys have dropping? Man, so all the things and all the stuff's over at Fantasy Pros. Yeah, Thor and I have a brand new Fantasy Pros NFL draft show that we'll be dropping weekly. Every single Wednesday, we are going to be dropping an episode for y'all. Uh, we are also in kind of figuring out, we're probably going to do some live streams, some other things for social media, um, figuring out the parts and pieces with that. It could be on Instagram, could be something that we stream to Twitter. Um, and I'm not calling it X. I don't give a crap. Screw you, Elon. But I, on Twitter, we'll have the video component probably. It's going to live somewhere. But the pod will drop every single Wednesday. So if you go to your favorite podcast provider right now, Search the Dynasty Podcast for Fantasy Pros. It will be on that feed, dropping every Wednesday with Thor Nystrom and myself. And really, this is just, dude, this is such a hand-in-glove fit. Like, I literally talk to Thor on a daily basis. Like, we, we'll watch combat, we'll watch uh, tape on guys, we'll compare notes, we fight about guys religiously. So, this is just taking what we've been doing off-air for the last two, three years and putting it on air so people can just hear the back and forth, man. Because we talk about this stuff like legit. I I might talk to Thor Nystrom on a week on a daily basis more than I talk to my wife, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. <laughs> that's how that's how you know it's funny. Like I've always said that sort of thing. Like I talked to Billy Muzio, and I talked to Dan Williamson, and a bunch of these people that we do mm -hmm. fantasy content with about as often as I as I talk to my wife in season. Now off season, you know she gets a little bit more FaceTime, but we're still grinding out here. Uh, D bro, this was awesome. Again, make sure you follow D bro. Appreciate the chat. Smash the like button. That helps us for sure. Uh, check out my episode coming up next week with Ray Garvin right here on oh, dynasty life. That's, that's going to be must happen. see must see content, baby. You and Ray G. Oh, must woo, see. baby. Ray crushed it on press coverage during the season. We, we had to do it for dynasty life. Ray's one of the people I respect the True most on, 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 uh, on these prospects. And we're going to dive into some deep dynasty strategy as well. I also have Josh Larkey coming with me on press coverage on Monday. Nice. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. This is a, this is a big weekend. We got to get it out of the way so we can concentrate on the important things like dynasty season. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, stick with us here at Dynasty Life all off season long. And make sure you're following D-Bro. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All-In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.